Coming up on The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. The pen of history is not in the hand of unbelievers, it's in the hand of believers. And God is just waiting for someone to stand up and take responsibility. God is waiting for someone in a family that is being destroyed by sin. And it may not be your sin, but it's the sin of your family to stand up and to take responsibility and to cry out to God to end that sin. history of Israel, God came to Solomon and said, Solomon, this land is yours. These people are yours. You have been blessed. You have been given this glorious place. I'm asking you not to do one thing. Do not intermarry with foreign wives. And Solomon woke up one morning and the blessing of God wasn't enough. And he just had to have one of those good looking foreign gals that he had seen on Facebook. Now, I'm, I'm kind of taking a little liberty here, but just stay with me. And he thought to himself, this is going to be fantastic. I'm kind of tired of these Jewish women. I need to spice my life up a little bit. I need one of those foreign women. And the devil was there saying to him, absolutely, it's the secret of happiness, Solomon. It's the secret of happiness. And generations later, Nehemiah gets word back that Israel's utterly destroyed. And on the day that the devil told Solomon to intermarry with his firstborn wife, the devil saw the end of sin. The devil knew if Solomon would believe that lie, that that sin was going to bless him, if he, would, if he would bite into the forbidden fruit, the devil knew that he could kill him and he could destroy the nation. See, the devil sees the end of sin even if we don't. And God sees the end of sin, even if we don't. And Jesus said the enemy only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Let me say this. If God is going to restore us, we have to end sin. We, we have to change our relationship with sin. And we're not perfect. None of us are going to be perfect. But we can't. In other words, let me say this another way. God's not going to get you out of the hole until you drop the shovel. And when we're actively living in a lifestyle of sin... God can't restore us until we change that. And what Nehemiah does in this moment when he gets the news that breaks his heart, that sin has finally utterly destroyed Israel, utterly destroyed the city of Jerusalem. It breaks his heart and he turns to God and he begins to repent. Everything in the book of Nehemiah, all the miracles, all the restoration, this incredible thing that God does for Israel begins with one man taking responsibility for the sins he did not even commit. Generations of Jews had thumbed their nose at God and now he's suffering the consequences. And unfortunately, many children today are suffering the consequences for sinful parents. It's true. And God is waiting for one person to stand up and take responsibility. I may not be the American that is causing the curse upon our nation that is happening, but I can be the American who stands up and takes responsibility for it. 
If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will heal their land. The pen of history is not in the hand of unbelievers, it's in the hand of believers. And God is just waiting for someone to stand up and take responsibility. God is waiting for someone in a family that is being destroyed by sin. And it may not be your sin, but it's the sin of your family to stand up and to take responsibility and to cry out to God to end that sin. And it all begins with this. Nehemiah is this remarkable man who singularly began the movement to go back and restore the nation. Let me, let me talk for just a minute about some of the common sins. Now, this is not a hellfire and brimstone. I hate hellfire and brimstone messages because they're manipulative. And we all sin, so we're all in the same boat. Okay, so we're all sin. But there's a difference. You know, there's, we all sin, but there's an attitude that we keep when we're walking correctly, which just means I admit it, and I, I want to keep short accounts with God, and I'm not going to hide anything or, or excuse anything. And I'm not going to try to act like something's not wrong when it's wrong and to host it in my life. And so we all sin. So as I go through these, I don't want, if you feel any condemnation, that's not God. I don't want you to respond to that. That's the devil. But I just want you to do an inventory because at the beginning of this message, I'm saying to you, God wants to restore your health. God wants to restore your family. He wants to restore Every, every blessing of God in your life, he wants to bring you to that place where you're living in the Abrahamic blessing. But for that to happen, we can't be hosting certain sins in our lives. Let me just go through these real quick. The first is unforgiveness and bitterness. You know, we are commanded explicitly in Scripture to forgive. And if we forgive, we'll be forgiven. Unforgiveness causes spiritual death and a separation from God. He still loves us. We're still on our way to heaven. But when we don't forgive, it just causes a, a broach in our relationship with God. Physical illness. Much physical illness is caused by bitterness and, and anxiety and anger. Emotional problems, mental problems. You know, some people really just drive themselves crazy, literally, because they, they won't forget. Obviously, it destroys marriages, it destroys families, it destroys people. Matthew 18, Jesus is telling a parable Peter walks up and says, should I forgive? How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus says, 70 times seven. And I think Peter said that because one of the other disciples had probably gone to eight. You know, and he wanted to kill him. You know, this is the eighth time that you've sin sinned against me, Andrew, and I'm, I'm gonna nuke you. And I'm gonna get Jesus' permission first. And so Jesus said, you always forgive. That's the bottom line. You always forgive. Then he tells this story. This is Matthew 18. His master, after he called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had on you, pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. My heavenly father will also do to each of you if you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Uh, the story is about a master who had a servant owed him a million dollars. And the, the master was about to punish the servant and throw him into prison and he begged for forgiveness, and the master forgave him. And then after having been forgiven of a million dollars, the servant went and found a fellow servant that owed him a hundred dollars. And when the servant, the fellow servant wouldn't repay him, he began to beat him. And the fellow servants were grieved and told the master, and the master said, throw that man in prison. Hand him over to the torturers until he pays back every cent because he wasn't willing to give away the grace that I gave him. See, I, I don't know what people have done to you, but, but we did worse to Jesus 
Jesus died because of our sins. Let me make it more personal. He died because of your sins. You put him there. I put him there. My sins put Jesus on the cross. Let me say this. He died the worst death that any human being has ever died. No one, no one has ever died like Jesus died. He was tortured. He was demonically tormented. God turned his back on him. The, the Romans were the most cruel human beings on the planet, and they knew how to inflict the greatest suffering possible. And that's what we did to him. And then people do stuff to us. Well, maybe some bad stuff to us, but nothing like we've done to Jesus. And Jesus makes us a deal. I'll give you as much grace as you give away. But when we begin to harbor bitterness, we break the deal. And what we're saying is, I want you to forgive me for what I did to you, but I'm not going to forgive so-and-so. And we begin to harbor grudges, and we begin to be bitter and unforgiving, always justifying it, always justifying it, because somebody did something to us and they shouldn't have, and so on and so forth. But Jesus forgave us, and he insists that we forgive others. And by the way, Jesus hung on the cross and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know who he's talking about? He was talking about the Romans and the Jews, the people who put him there. If Jesus can forgive from the cross, you can forgive from where you are. Right? I'm just asking you a simple question. Have you forgiven everybody? Is there anybody that you haven't forgiven? Are you, are you, are you a grudge holder? Are you harboring bitterness? You need to let that go. If God's going to get you out of the hole, you got to drop the shovel. If God's going to take you back to the blessing of Abraham, there can't be anybody that you haven't forgiven. Next, second, very common sin is negative speech. The way we use our mouths. Hatefulness, negativity, cursing, unbelief, gossip, slander, lying, all of those kinds of things. It causes problems with God. It causes, obviously, problems with people. But this is Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, let me say something to you. Words are nuclear. You know, we live in a, a smart aleck, vulgar culture. Let me say something. Do you realize that words release spirits? Words are nuclear. And I'm standing up here to you, and let, let, me say, let me say some words to you. Okay, Listen to my words. God loves you more than you could possibly understand. And in Psalm 139, the Bible says that God made you, and there were so many thoughts he had toward you individually when he made you in your mother's womb that they can't be numbered. They're as many as the sand of the seashore. In other words, when God made you in your mother's womb, you were not an afterthought. He detailed your life because you're precious and unique. And he loves you more than you could ever possibly understand. And your life is more sacred than you could ever possibly understand. How do those words make you feel? Now, as surely as I did that, I could say some bad words. I won't say any bad words. But you've heard some bad words. And some of you had words said to you 30 years ago that are still hurting you right now because words are nuclear. They are nuclear. And the devil wants to gain control of your mouth because he wants to destroy. See, the, death, the power of death and life is in my tongue. God wants to cause life through my tongue. The devil wants to cause death through my tongue, and I decide who works through my tongue. And we live in this culture of vulgarity and crudeness and hatefulness. Uh, let me say it another way. We live in a verbally vicious world. It is vicious. It's unbelievable what people say about other people. And it should never come out of the mouth of a Christian. 
We are blessers, not cursers. We are praisers. We are not people of negativity. Our mouths should be a fountain for the Holy Spirit, not to be a spout for the devil's venom. Somebody say amen. Our mouths are a place of life or death. And we decide every word that comes out of our mouth. Again, God wants to get us out of the hole, but we have to drop the shovel. And this thing right here has dug more holes for me than anything else in my life. We've got to get our mouth right. God is always about restoration and bringing hope when things seem hopeless. Regardless of your mistakes, the Lord's desire is to restore your life into His plan and purpose. In this powerful series, The God of Restoration, Jimmy Evans will help you discover how to break free from sin and restore the brokenness in your life. There is no condemnation because it's not about us, it's about how great Jesus is. Support the overcoming life with your gift of any amount and we'll send you the gift of favor as an audio download. Receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on CD or audio download and Jimmy Evans' book, I Changed My Mind, for your gift of $50 or more. For your gift of $85 or more, you'll receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on DVD or video download and the book, I Changed My Mind. When you've overcome the past and are living in God's blessing, you'll experience breakthrough, favor, and fulfillment. Number three is materialism and love of money. It's another sin. It's something that we deal with as people. Matthew 6, no one can serve two masters. He will hate the one and love the other, else be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the money God. And Jesus also says in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He'll give you all those things. But there is in the world a spirit of materialism, a spirit of mammon. And it wants to be first. It makes us all the same promises that God makes us and wants us to be loyal to it first before we're loyal to God. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world, and we for certain cannot carry anything out. We have food and covering. With these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Contentment doesn't mean I don't want more. There's nothing wrong with wanting more at all. Contentment just means I am thankful for what I have right now. My, my, my attitude is if I have food and covering, I'm thankful to God for that. Secondly, I want more, but I want to get it God's way. I'm going to pray about it. I'm going to do what God tells me to do, but I'm not going to forsake my relationship with God to go out and get more out of a spirit of greediness and unthankfulness, God, which God won't bless. The other thing is this. Money's a blessing. All of us need money, and money's a blessing. It doesn't say here that money is evil. Money's not evil. What's evil is to put money first and make it your God and put your trust in it. Money's going to make you promises, and it's not going to fulfill those promises. I guarantee it. And so the, the issue is nothing wrong with having money, nothing wrong with wanting money. The issue is, is God first? What is the focus of our lives? And if money is first, if, if we're a materialistic person and, and money really has captured our attention and it's a, it makes our decisions for us and all of that, we need to consider that and say, God, that's, that's idolatry. 
And I want you to do a work in my family. I want you to do a work in my body. I want you to do a work in my finances. And I realize that for you to do that, you have got to be God. I've got to seek you first if you're going to give all these things to me. Another one that's very common is pride. Obviously, we all deal with pride. James 4, he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And that's what happened with Israel, by the way. They were arrogant before God. And, and, and here's, let me just give you an acid test on pride. It's a prayer. You're, you're as prideful as you don't pray. If you're a person who doesn't pray, you're just, you just think you can do it without God. I mean, that's the truth. Humility, it says, submit to God, then resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Submission to God means I don't have the right to make decisions before I pray. Humility before God means I need you. If I'm going to be able to accomplish what, with what you want me to accomplish, I need you. I need you in my life. I need your power. I need your knowledge. I need your assistance in my life. And so prayer is not a religious exercise. Prayer is an exercise of recognizing who I am and what I can't do without God. Humility is not humiliation. Humility is simply seeing how small I am, how big he is, how much he loves me, and asking him to help. I go to God and say, God, I can't do this without you. God says, I love that. Lord, I need your help. I want you to bless me, and I submit to you today. That's humility in God's eyes. A lack of humility in God's eyes is just simply believing that I can accomplish it without him. And because of that, I don't pray. You know, in fact, some people try to accomplish things without God, and then at the end, after they haven't succeeded, they ask God to bail them out, and when he doesn't, they get mad at him. And that's just pride. You work for me, you do what I say, and everything's going to be all right. This, this is a revelation. I'm not God. I never will be. He's God. He always will be. It's not about me. It's about him. He doesn't live my story. I live his story. I get the opportunity to serve an awesome God and to have his partnership in my life. But when I see him as he truly is, I will be humble and I will submit to him and he will bless that. God resists the proud. The word resist in the Greek language means to set himself in battle formation against. This is not resistance as in sticking up a hand and kind of doing this. This is resistance as in pulling an army and saying, I promise you will never succeed with that attitude. And let me ask you, why does God take such a stand against us when we're in pride, because he's trying to keep us from destroying ourselves. This is a loving God standing between us and the cliff we're about to walk over. Listen, the person that loves you is not the person patting you on the back as you walk the wrong way. The person who loves you is the person who gets in front of you and tries to turn you back. And our God loves us so much, he fights for us and fights to protect us. And here's the last one, it's a huge one, immorality. Of all the sins I've seen destroy lives, this is the one, this is the greatest destroyer. We, we live in an incredibly immoral culture. 1 Corinthians 6, the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. 
Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so all of us are tempted sexually. I mean, you know, none of us are exempt from sexual temptation. But we have to understand several things. One is, this is not my body. <laughs> you know, we live in a society where people say, well, I have a right over my body, you know, and all this kind of stuff. It's, listen, Jesus bought this body with his blood. That's what it says right here. This, this, body, listen, this body belongs to Jesus, and it exists for the purpose of glorifying Jesus. The purpose of this body is not to please Jimmy Evans first. The purpose of this body is to glorify Jesus Christ first. Somebody say amen. And if the purpose of your body is to please you first, you can justify anything, and you will. And that's why sexual immorality is so rampant in the culture that we live in. All, right, pornography, adultery, just sexual immorality, any way you want to paint it. But on the day that the devil came to Solomon and started whispering into his ear about foreign wives, he saw Nehemiah weeping and the children of Israel in slavery. See, the devil's evil. He wants you to have a miserable future full of death. And for that simple reason, he has to get you to believe the lies he's going to tell you about sin. And to be bitter, and to be money hungry, and to be immoral, and to be prideful. And all those things that are common issues of all of us. But God wants to restore your life to its greatest place ever. And because God wants to restore us, he has to change not just our relationship with sin, but our view of sin. Sin is death. God is life. Sin is death. God is life. If I rebel, I'm going to die. If I obey, I'm going to be blessed out of my socks. You're going to get your dance moves back because you're a crazy good dancer. You just don't know it yet. Oh, how much God loves you. Oh, how much God loves you. The, the dream and desire that he has for your life. And I'll tell you the, the best news of all. Nehemiah is standing in slavery in Babylon, and God's not going to leave him there. By his power and by his love, God is going to take the children of Israel back where they belong. And some of you find yourselves in a place because of your sin or the sin of other people, you find yourself in a place of bondage, a place of lack, a place of pain, a place of grief. And I say to you right now, by the word of the Lord, God will take you back to your promised land and put you in that place that he designed you in your mother's womb for. But before he gets us out of the hole, he wants us to drop the shovels. This is not a hellfire and brimstone message. This is a message of love from a loving God who wants to take us back to our home. You know, I hope that you enjoyed that message. You know, and it's, a, it's kind of an in-your-face kind of message about sin. But Nehemiah, the, the book of Nehemiah, obviously is a book of restoration because it begins with the devastation of a nation, an entire nation. And I know many of you have experienced the devastation of your family breaking up, your marriage breaking up, 
you know, something, something bad that happened that was devastating in your life. But I, I want to say, in the Garden of Eden, there was a perfect environment that God created, and it ended with a life from the devil. A life from the devil begins every devastation. It always begins with a promise that the devil makes, but he's a liar. Jesus called him a liar and the father of lies. It always begins with this lie that says, eat that fruit, and that sin is actually going to improve your life. But you know something? Old sinners are a bad advertisement for sin. If you've ever seen a person who lived their life in sin, you're going to find a person who looks like a beat-up road. It looks like someone that is disappointed and heartbroken because of what sin does. And the good news is, you know, the thief on the cross next to Jesus had lived that kind of life, but he went to heaven because he believed in Jesus. And I'm, I'm saying to you, if there's something in your life that you're holding on to that you know isn't right, let it go. You, you don't have to get to that place that Nehemiah was at where everything's devastated and you've lost everything. And even if you're at that place, I want you to know that God loves you. He adores you. He doesn't just love you. And he'll always forgive you. You've never done too much to be forgiven. But my encouragement is turn your heart toward God. And every blessing begins by believing God. Every, every devastation begins by believing the devil and reaching for the forbidden fruit. But every blessing begins with believing God. And I'm telling you right now, God loves you. He'll forgive you. And just like the book of Nehemiah, he'll restore your life. He'll take you from brokenness to blessing, but only he can do it. My encouragement is turn to God today. Open your heart to him. Repent of any sin that you might have in your life and trust God. And I promise that he will forgive you and he'll bless you and he'll receive you into a personal relationship with him. I'll see you next time. God is always about restoration and bringing hope when things seem hopeless. Regardless of your mistakes, the Lord's desire is to restore your life into His plan and purpose. In this powerful series, The God of Restoration, Jimmy Evans will help you discover how to break free from sin and restore the brokenness in your life. There is no condemnation because it's not about us, it's about how great Jesus is. Support the overcoming life with your gift of any amount, and we'll send you the gift of favor as an audio download. Receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on CD or audio download, and Jimmy Evans' book, I Changed My Mind, for your gift of $50 or more. For your gift of $85 or more, you'll receive the complete series, The God of Restoration, on DVD or video download, and the book, I Changed My Mind. When you've overcome the past and are living in God's blessing, you'll experience breakthrough, favor, and fulfillment. This year, the EXO Marriage Conference is coming to a city near you. The EXO Tour is a one-of-a-kind live marriage conference bringing couples together in venues across the country. The greatest marriages come from two people who just go through it together and come out on the other side and they win. Hear Jimmy Evans and many other remarkable speakers communicate on how to have a thriving, healthy marriage. Find an EXO Tour location near you and come together with other couples as we unite to strengthen families and start something new in your marriage. Even in the midst of something that you thought, I don't know if we're going to make it through this, when you come together and you lean on God together and you refuse to give up, He can do the miraculous 
Experience why so many couples call the EXO Tour an unforgettable investment for their marriage. We believe that your family has a bright future. For more information and to register at a city near you, visit exomarriage.com tour. Thank you for watching The Overcoming Life with Jimmy Evans. Support The Overcoming Life with your best gift and receive the series, The God of Restoration. Experience the EXO Tour at a city near you. Seating is limited, so register today. Visit exomarriage.com slash tour. This program is made possible by the generous support of our faithful partners.